Good morning, Two Rivers Church. Boy, we got something special for you this morning. We're doing a three for 10, three pastors for 10 minutes. So, so buckle up and enjoy the message. This one right here, I believe it's practically going to take us from where we've been to where we need to go. As a pastor, my job is not to preach one message that makes everybody just say, wow, and then you and I send you home. My job is to give you a steady diet that will help your faith grow. I care about your growth. The greatest sign of effectiveness is fruitfulness. I'm gonna say that again. The greatest sign of effectiveness is fruitfulness. My question to you is, have you been bearing any fruit lately? You come to church every Sunday, but has your attitude changed any? You're always quoting scriptures and always trying to be a positive person with great energy, but have you bared any fruit? My goal is to plant seeds, that we would water them together and we plant seeds, but the Bible tells us that only God can add the increase. What I'm praying for you today is that you would increase. I want us to take a look at the story in Luke chapter 5, referring to the section that reads about Jesus healing a paralyzed man. I want us to confront the thing in us that is lazy. I believe we can have two kinds of faith, one being lazy faith and the other being crazy faith. They are polar opposites, right? Like lazy faith is the part of us that is willing to get a prophetic word without doing the prophetic work. Crazy faith, I want you to look at this definition, our thoughts and actions, which means you're doing something active. It's a faith that lacks reason. I don't understand all of it, but what I, I am doing is trusting fully in what cannot explicitly be proven. And I think that's where God calls all of us on our Christian journey. If you don't walk in some level of crazy faith in an area of your life, I might say that you're not serving the same God. Because when I consider the stories and the characters in the Bible, God never intended to set these people up to be comfortable for the rest of their life. They didn't just pray in the morning and post a pretty scripture on Facebook or Instagram and then live happily ever after. What Bible story have you read like that? None. Why? Because they don't exist. Because living a life of faith is a journey. And if you know anything about a journey, y'all, you know they have different types of paths. On a journey, you'll go up some hills and down in some valleys. You might have to take refuge in a cave at some point. At other times, you might glide along a smooth and easy path. But on this journey of the Christian life, it's imperative that we understand it's going to require faith. Faith that everybody, everybody say faith. Say it like you mean it, everybody. And it's not just going to require faith, it will require an active faith. Faith that doesn't just believe that God can do it all and handle it all while we watch on passively. Active faith is a faith that will actually do something like God will. And so today I want us to read through the story in Luke chapter five. I want you to be able to see what God wants us to do and be. He wants us to be not lazy, but active in our faith. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, One day, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in Galilee and from Judea, and as well as Jerusalem. 
everybody was there. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Someone carrying, some men carrying a paralyzed man, a.k.a. Jerome, Romy Rome for short, his friends carried him on a mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they could not because of the crowd. These men didn't have lazy faith. They had crazy faith. So they went up on the roof and they took off some roof tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on the mat down through the ceiling, right in front of the crowd, right in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. What, everybody? Seeing their faith, not their plans, not their credentials, because many times we want Jesus to see those things. Like, Lord, here's my plan. Here's all my degrees. Here's all my experience. Jesus seeing their faith. Oh man, I'm getting excited already. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want us to pause just for a second and look at it from the paralyzed man's perspective. Just for a second. This has been a great day for him so far. He was chilling at the house. He had nobody to talk to and his boys showed up unannounced. Like, I don't know about you, but when your boys come over, your girls come over and they're just like this, there's this moment of like, oh man, I'm so excited. I was sitting here all alone and now you showed up and made me feel good. So we got some camaraderie and some community. Everybody say community. So we got his community and then his community is going to do the heavy lifting for him. His boys were like, yo, Romy, we want to take you to the show that's happening right now down in the city square. And so they pick him up and they take him all the way there. When they get there though, the show is sold out. They can't get in. There's crowds and lines everywhere. And they're like, don't worry, Rome, we got an idea. They go from the nosebleed seats, the roof of the building, and they lowered this man down through the ceiling to front row seats. Now you think about this. You, you guys look at this so spiritual, but think about your favorite concert that you couldn't get into. And then somebody gets you in and says, but we got to go to the nosebleed section. So you make your way to the highest and farthest seats. And then somehow you end up front row, so close to the headliner that he can spit and sweat on you. This man is having a good day. Not only is he that close to the special guest, he actually talks with him and just doesn't just interact with Jesus, but Jesus also verbally tells him that his sins are forgiven. For me, this would be a great day. Like, I'm good. Take me here. Take me back to the house. I've had the best day ever. But Jesus was not through with the miracle that he wanted to work in this man's life. You see, there's a paradox that's coming right now for the paralyzed man. Everything that happened to the man up until this point was based on somebody else's faith. He didn't have faith to get up and go. He didn't have the faith to get on the roof. He didn't have the faith to lower himself. He didn't have the faith to get dropped right in front of Jesus. This is the picture of the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor and kindness of God. This is the grace of God. And some of y'all act like you ain't ever had the grace of God work 
worked in your life before. Like it wasn't your mom's prayers or your grandmom's prayers or your dad's or cousin's prayers. Oh, you don't hear me. It wasn't your ability, but it was God's favor on your life. Something you need to remember that if it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't have the job you have. You wouldn't have the family you have. You wouldn't have the things that you have. You wouldn't have your right mind in anything, anybody thankful for the grace of God. Right now, someone here is remembering. See, what I realized about this story is that this man still probably had lazy faith, but he was able to catch a miracle in his life because of the faith of those he was surrounded by. And I dare say that many of you are sitting in the miracle of other people's faith. You didn't have the ability to do it, but God's favor and kindness just kept showering over you. Your business wasn't even the most qualified, but for some reason, you got the contract. Your kids didn't even deserve the college scholarship, but somehow God made a way. That's grace. Grace will get you here, but a faith-filled decision will take you there. Good morning, everybody. Pastor John here. I'm so thankful to be with you. Thank you to be part of this 3 for 10 with Pastor Jared and, and, and Pastor Andrew. Man, I love those two. I love doing life with them. I love serving with them. I'm so thankful to be with you today. As we prepared for this week, uh, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Jared and I got together and we decided that really what we wanted to talk about was this idea of faith. You know, when the storms of life hit, they almost always appear stronger than the Word of God. It's crucial for us to remember that our perception can be deceptive. When circumstances strike fear into our heart, we have an option in the Christian life to walk either by faith or by sight. So as we examine our lives, do you find yourself more prone to walk by faith or walk by sight? Think about this just for a minute. Just stop here. Look at me, everybody look. Think, when you walk by sight, where's your focus? In contrast, when, when you're walking by faith, Where's your focus? It's obvious that your focus when you're walking in faith is on Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the word of God that we're going to open today and dive into. Father, I know that it's going to do a work inside of our hearts, inside of our lives. Father, I ask when we leave this place today that we're ready to activate our faith and not walk by, by sight, but walk by a faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you this, God has a plan and a destination for each and every one of you. God wants you and me to depend on him, to trust in him, to direct our steps one at a time so we can reach the destination that, not the destination that we have planned for ourselves, but the destination that he has planned for you. You know, I like to look at the life of Abraham. Abraham was a man that walked by faith and his story is recorded over 14 chapters in the Bible. He was chosen by the Lord to be a recipient of an amazing promise and become the father of the Jewish race. And you know what? This guy seemed unlikely. He came from a pagan society, a society that no one would actually choose to be the father of the Jewish race from. You know, he, he was an idol worshiper. However, we must realize that God's choices are based on his great wisdom. And they may not always make sense from our perspective. What God did in Abraham's life, too, and to some degree, is what he wants to do in our lives. Let's look at how Abraham responded in Genesis. And we discover how we, too, can walk by faith rather than by sight. 
We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. I want to encourage you right now, if you have not downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, you can do that right now. Um, it's a great tool. I, I encourage, every time I preach, I encourage people to download that app. Here's what it says. It said, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Man, he sounds like he's going to be a church planner. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Amen. You see, God came to Abraham with a message that included instructions and promises, some of which may have seemed unbelievable to Abraham. It sounded like God was going to use him to create a, a, a new world. Yet despite this incredible nature of, of this message, Abraham listened to the promise. I want you to get this. I want everyone to look and listen. We must learn to listen to the Lord if we're going to walk with him by faith. As Christians, our goal is to follow Jesus, and that requires knowing what he wants us to do. Instead of planning our days and rushing off to achieve our agenda, we need to take time to listen to God, present our agenda to him. doesn't mean we can't make plans, but we need to present those plans every day to God and let God direct our steps because the destination, the direction we're going in is the direction that God has for our life. And I can promise you, if you do this, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll speak to you you through his word and he'll guide you to walk with Christ. We go on in Genesis to chapter 12 verse 4 it says so Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Man that's amazing. It doesn't matter your age God's still ready to use you. You see Abraham trusted God even though the command to leave home must have been a difficult one to obey. The destination was unknown, and the promise must have seemed unbelievable. The proof of Abraham's faith is that he followed God's instruction, even at 75. You see, like Abraham, we don't always know where the Lord is leading us, and we can doubt. We may argue or come up with reasons why we can't follow his plan. In essence, we're saying to him that we don't think we'll do what he said. It's easy to follow God when everything seems logical, there's no risk involved, but when he leads us in an unexpected direction and doesn't explain what awaits us, our doubts may stop us from obeying him. One way that we can measure our spiritual growth is by how readily we trust the Lord and follow him with obedience. Listen, if we don't walk by faith, we'll miss all that he has planned for our lives. You know, I've told you this many times before, but I almost missed out on what God had planned for me. I tried to take the easy way out. I said, you know, God, I'll serve you, but I'll just go become a chaplain so I can still make good money and, and I, I'm not going to really obey you. And I, I tell you, I wrestled with God day after day until the day I was supposed to start that class. And then I said, you know what, God, I got to obey you. You see, God's calling us to obey him like, like Abraham. Having listened and trusted to God, Abraham took the first step of obedience and I'm telling you, the Bible is, is full of a message of obedience over disobedience. Listen, when we trust the Lord and follow him faithfully, we'll become a person he wants us to be and fulfill his will for our lives. God is calling us, each and every one of us, to obey him and then to worship him. And we see Abraham stop to worship and thank the Lord for his protected journey and now the promised land that he was going to come into. Walking by sight means we must uh, have all the facts 
and see how God's plan for our life will unfold before we step out in obedience. If the outcome is secure, we proceed. But walking by faith requires that we trust the Lord and His will for us. Even if it's risky or unknown or difficult, God wants us to depend on Him, trusting Him to direct our steps, one step at a time, so we can reach the destination and the plan that He has for us. The walk of faith is one of listening. The walk of faith is one of trusting. The walk of faith is one of obeying and worshiping God. And the end result is a life at its best. Not without problems, not without struggles, but a life lived in the will of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message today. I thank you for your message of faith. I thank you for the message that you brought to us through Pastor Jared and Pastor Andrew and myself. I thank you for working through us, Father. Father, our desire is to honor you and serve you in all we do. Guide our steps this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good week, everybody. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Pastor Andrew here from Two Rivers Corning. Big shout out to my Corning crew, Binghamton, Cortland, and everybody tuning in online. Um, I want to talk about faith today. Uh, faith gets me excited. Um, the Bible says that you can't please God without faith. Faith without works is dead. And I believe faith actually uh, is the currency to help uh, to see the supernatural move in your life. Um, so I'm going to be talking about not only just faith, but uh, faith in Jesus' authority. So when we're talking about authority, um, <clears throat> so when I was working here in the Binghamton area, uh, I could tell you about authority. Um, I worked at this particular job and we had a general manager that came into one of the departments and there's a stack of boxes that came in and she wrote down this on a sign, big letters in her own handwriting, do not touch Per Shirley Williams, like this is the, the manager, this is like the second biggest boss in the whole company. Like, hey, do not touch the stack of boxes. And if you know me personally, man, I'm, I love pranks, I love humor, I love being able to uh, do fun things, and I'm a prankster, man, and I, I love being able to laugh, and if I can't laugh with you, it's hard for me to roll with you. So uh, <clears throat> I took this sign um, that says, do not touch, and I placed it on random objects at work. I was one of the first few people to get into the office. And uh, my first prank was, because everybody that comes in early, they go right to the coffee machine. So I put the sign on the coffee machine, do not touch per Shirley Williams. People are in the break room like, what's going on? Why, why can't we use the coffee machine? Is it broken? And then uh, after that, I took the sign down when nobody was looking. I placed it on the men's bathroom door. And all of a sudden people are like, hey, I can't go to the bathroom. There's people outside like wondering if the bathroom was not operational. And uh, all because the sign said, do not touch per Shirley Williams. And then I got my supervisor, the, my supervisor that was over my particular department. And before he came in, I placed this sign on his computer. So he's going in, he's about to log in. And all of a sudden, right, right on the monitor, it's like, do not touch. So he's like looking concerned. He's like, why can't I touch my own computer? And I was messing with him like, oh, they gotta, they gotta search what you've been looking up. You know, I was just messing with him, throwing some, uh, you know, get them some scare tactics, you know. But uh, the, the moral of this story is um, that this, this uh, supervisor's name carried authority. 
that she didn't actually have to be in the room for it to actually affect people. And I think this is an interesting concept when we think about God because you can't see God. You can see uh, the glory of God. You can see um, ways that he has intervened in, in human history and in our own lives. You can see, you can tangibly feel that. But Jesus has authority. And, and as we look at in Scripture, I'm going to read here in a second, um, the moral of that story I just shared was that this general manager, by having a sheet of paper with her writing, said, do not touch, actually caused action with people at the workplace. So um, <clears throat> Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus Christ has all authority, not only in heaven, but here on earth. And he's telling his disciples this. Um, <clears throat> this is so important. I'm going to read about in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 17. This is a, a perfect description of what spiritual authority looks like, uh, uh, Jesus Christ's authority, and how to activate your faith and believe for the impossible. Because when you need faith is those moments where you can't see how things are going to work out. Maybe you have anxiety. Maybe um, you, know, you have a loved one out there struggling with drugs and alcohol. Maybe you're worried about getting a job. Maybe there's some relational conflict in your home. And you just don't know how everything's going to work out. Like, God, where are you? I can't see how this is going to work. But I want you to rest assured that Jesus Christ, if you're in his hands, if he's your Lord and Savior, uh, you have authority that you don't have to just go on with life being a victim. You don't have to go on life being powerless. That he said his name is above all names. His name is above all names. You just need to call upon the name of the Lord. And uh, so Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. How many here have pleaded with God? Man, God, I need you to show up. I need you to intervene in this situation. The Lord, uh, my, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed, and is in terrible pain. You've been there? Maybe you have a health issue right now. Maybe you have some uh, bad doctor reports. Uh, maybe you have some life-changing, altering news that have come your way. Maybe it's physical sickness or some kind of ailment. Uh, this is what he says. He's paralyzed and in terrible pain. Are you in terrible pain right now? Maybe emotional pain. Maybe heartbreak. Maybe you, you put your, your heart and trust in someone and they broke up with you. And you're dealing with the rejection pain, that severe pain in your life right now. And you don't know how things are going to work out. You don't know how you're going to bounce back from this. Uh, so Jesus says in verse 7, he says, I will come and heal him. Like this is already in God's will. God's will is to heal. God's will is to restore broken things, to redeem lost things. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home. Do you ever feel like that in life when you're like, God, I don't know. I don't know if I'm even worthy enough to even ask you for such a high task like healing or this impossible thing. Um, so the, the Roman centurion says, I am not even worthy. This is a Roman soldier. Doesn't he feel worthy to have Jesus come to his home? 
And Jesus, he says, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Verse nine, it says, I know this because I am under authority, my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. And as if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Um, this Roman centurion knows about authority and, and the chain of command and, and knowing the power that lies in authority that when his superior officer says, hey, I need you to go over there and protect that city, he goes, or hey, we need some more men over there to put them sandbags down for the flood. Um, they go and do it. Um, in verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those following him and said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come all over the world from the east and from the west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites whom the kingdom of heaven was prepared will be thrown in outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is a, a prophecy of Gentiles. Me and you, if we're non-Jewish, we are called Gentiles and the gospel's for everyone. Doesn't matter your race, your nationality, uh, Jesus come to save everyone. Verse 13, it says, Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you have believed it has happened and that young servant was healed that same hour. Jesus wasn't even in the right, in the same household. He was miles away and he said, be healed. He spoke it and this, this young servant was healed. Uh, verse 14, it says, when Jesus arrived to Peter's house, uh, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left and she got up and prepared a meal for him. Verse 16, it says, even many demon-possessed people Brought to Jesus, he cast out all the evil spirits with a simple command and healed all the sick. Like there's no showdown between lightness and darkness. There's no showdown between the demonic and the power of God. It's literally like turning a light switch on and darkness has to flee. Uh, this fulfills the word through the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took on our sickness and removed our diseases. We have been given a name power and authority in Jesus Christ. In conclusion here, I'm going to close this out with this. I don't know what you're facing today. There's some things that you're going through like, I don't know how this is all going to make sense, how this is going to work out. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to pay that doctor's bill? I don't know if I'm going to be dealing with this sickness for the rest of my life. Maybe you have a, a wayward kid that's out there struggling on drugs and alcohol. Uh, I don't know what your situation is today, but when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus can do the impossible. When you say, God, I believe and I stand firm for my child. I stand firm for this healing. I believe that you're the God who can move mountains, that you can make amends, that you're a God that heals. You're the God that drives out the darkness in our communities. So I'm asking you, church, to put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in his power and his authority and that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that we don't have to hold on for dear life and just allow life just to beat us down over and over again, that we can stand firm and resist the enemy and he'll flee from us. It's not by the, our good works. It's not by our good deeds. 
It's by his name. His name is powerful. His name is the name above all names. God bless y'all. We'll see you next week.